Welcome to the Passion Harvest podcast audio series. Thank you so much for listening today. I am Louisa, your host, International Passion Ambassador. If you would like to watch this episode, please head over to our Passion Harvest channel on YouTube. We love taking you on a journey to discover your passions. Thanks for listening. Welcome and thank you for joining us at Passion Harvest, where we aim to inspire you to live a passionate life. My guest today is Max Egan. He's a bit of a legend in conspiracy theories, secrets, and so much more. His website is The Crow House, but of course, I will put all his details in the show notes. You are in for a treat. Buckle your seatbelts and get ready for the incredible world of Max Egan. Here he is. Welcome to the show, Max. Thank you for having me on, Berlin. That's an interesting <laughs> introduction. We'll see where we go from that. <laughs> it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. Um, we, I was just saying to Max before, it's very hard to find anything about him because he's got a wonderful website, but there's nothing about you. So I guess since this is also a show about passion, I'd like to ask you, how did you get involved in all the incredible material that you produce? I just sort of started doing it because it needed to be done, really. Mm -hmm. um, when I first started doing this, I mean, I didn't even put my face out there. I just was the voice. I didn't want anyone to even know what I looked like. I just thought I'll put it out there and say stuff because, you know, I, I was hearing people saying things, but they seemed to have an agenda or they wanted to sell books. They wanted to do this or do that, you know. I just thought I'd cut through it all and just, just tell it like it is and, and, you know, no stake in the outcome. So... You know, I started doing it about um, 10 or 12 years ago, full time. I didn't think anyone would listen, but uh, they did. So here I am. It's, it's been an interesting ride. But um, I mean, it's a bit of an enigma, I think, for a lot of people, because like I said, I don't have anything for sale. I don't, uh, you, you can't find anything about me because I've never written a bio for myself or anything. I mean, I'd, I'd feel really weird writing a story about myself. It's, it's a strange thing. I don't know how people do that. Write, uh, write these big promos about themselves. So yeah, I just kind of, I mean, uh, well, you know, I mean, I, and as well, I mean, I want people to know that I'm, I'm just a, a guy in a shed like everybody else. I'm not anybody <laughs> special. That's, that's the point of the whole thing is that you don't have to be special. You don't have to be someone special to make a difference. You just got to be prepared to speak out. So that's kind of why I do it in the way I do, I guess. <laughs> I love that I'm just a guy in a shed. <laughs> Well, yeah, you know, I mean, I think people people tend to put you up on a bit of a pedestal and they see you as a leader or something and mm -hmm. then they they kind of, I think they can sit back and hold your coat and you're going to change the world for them and I'll get the newsletter to say that Max has, has done all this stuff. And really what it's about is is encouraging people to remember who and what they are and, and the fact that they have a voice and they can ask questions and they can speak out and we don't actually have to do it. We're told so readily. We don't have to roll over on command. We could ask why, you know, and I think that's the big problem is that too many people simply roll over on command and don't ask why. And I think it's important for people to see that I'm just a, an everyday normal person. I'm not a leader. I'm not anything special. I didn't even finish high school. So, you know, it's it's not about any of that. It's just about being prepared to, to you know, have, have some value. Realize that you have value. Everybody has value. We don't have to do what we're told by these parasites that are running the world into the ground, you know. And it, it's our, our compliance with their wishes all the time and our tolerance of wrong behaviour um, through fear of, of punishment that allows this whole system to perpetuate and to go in the direction that it's going. So, you know, I just try to encourage people to remember who and what they are. Oh, I think that's, that's the key to the whole thing, you know. And if mm -hmm. they think I'm someone special, well, you know, it, it's kind of they sit back in awe, you know, and that's not what it's about, you know. They need to be in awe of themselves because we're all very, very powerful. We just choose not to be because we're usually cowed and scared and trained to think that way. Look, I think that's such a beautiful message, but I do have to disagree. I think you are a bit of a thought leader and an inspiration for the average guy in a shed. You've actually, I call it the passion principle, but you've actually got off your ass and started doing something and speaking your mind and inspiring a lot of people. And that's a wonderful trait. 
Well, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm glad for that. I'm glad that it has inspired a lot of people. I do get a lot of emails from people that say, you've, you've changed my life, you've changed the way I think, and blah, blah, blah. And that's really good. That's really gratifying to know that it does help. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe a bit of a thought later, but, but I think it's, it's, I mean, not really. I think a lot of people, so many people contact me and say, everything you say on the radio show is all the stuff that I think. But I, I wasn't sure. I didn't know that I thought it until you said it. You know, so it's kind of just encouraging people to remember. You know, I think a lot of people think that the things that I, I think and they, they want to say it, they're just not prepared to. And you know, they're scared to. So I'm trying to show them that you don't need to be scared to. You can just do it. And you might touch someone. You might make a difference, you know. So maybe maybe a leader in that respect in as much as I'm prepared to speak, I don't have any fear of the outcome of speaking, but um, I think anybody can do what I do. I mean, even when you listen to the shows, I'm very careful not to over intellectualize anything. You never have to pick up a dictionary to listen to my shows. Mm -hmm. It's all very much around the kitchen table talk. And I like to keep it that way. Um, And I think that that's, what's important for people to realize that the stuff that I'm saying, it's just, it's just common sense. I'm just trying to help people remember the reality of, of our situation and the reality of what it means to be human. And I think that's why it resonates with people so much and that's why it's helped people so much because it just helps them remember that they actually have value. You know, like I said, that, that's the big thing. We, people have, have lost value in themselves. A lot of people don't believe they have any value, you know, because we've had value taken from us through our lives. The value of the love that was supposed to develop between our parents, yeah, that was taken from us because our parents were taken from us and replaced with television generally. And the parents thought they were doing the right thing. They were off working, trying to do the right thing to get all the stuff that the kids needed. But what the kids actually needed was that bonding experience with their parents that they never got. And so they spend their life out there trying to get likes on Instagram and Snapchat and all this stuff, just trying to find some value in themselves because that that bond never developed. Mm -hmm. They don't even know what they're searching for. They're searching for that meaning, that 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 meaning of, of value in their lives, and that that's all that we've got on on Facebook and Instagram and all that stuff. And people wanting this attention, they just want the 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 bond that should have been there with their parents that they never had, you know. So you know, we've had so much taken from us, we don't know what's taken been taken. And I'm just uh, attempting to help people remember this, remember these these basic things about about being human, because I think that is the key to defeating this system this system is taking everything that it means to be human away from us even our interaction it's all it's all instagram and snapchat and 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 texting each other and stuff these days and not even using real words when we're texting so you know it's it's uh it's removing all this stuff from us it's removing every connection we have it's creating a digital interface between us and the real world and we need to to break that down and get this human connection back again but I think the, the first part of it is realizing what you are, realizing the beauty of yourselves and, and realizing that you do actually have meaning and actually have value. And, and what you're searching for is this, this thing that's already there inside you, but you're searching for it externally, you know, and you know, it's a complicated issue. You know, whoever, whoever's put this system in place has a pretty good understanding of human psychology and how to, you know, corral us into what they want us to, to do and want us to be. But I'm just trying to help people, you know, remember this about themselves, this this basic um, humanity about themselves. I think that's that's the key to the whole thing. Once you remember that, and you you learn to love yourself, well, you know, respect for others and love for others comes by default, and all the barriers with people break down once you can truly find yourself. So, you know, that's that's what I've been attempting to do: just help people find themselves, really. Well, you've been very successful in it and, you know, you're doing such a beautiful job and it's such a beautiful foundation that you're working from. Um, I would really love to chat about your book on the website, Earth's Forbidden Secrets, Searching for the Past. But first, (laughs) I guess I know I'm going to have a couple of questions about what are people being deceived about and why? And that's a whole series. What people are going to say, what, what are we being deceived about? And why? Why? Everything. (laughs) And I know you delve into this a lot on your website, but, you know, for people that are listening or watching, just, you know. (laughs) I put out a show recently and I've called it, it was a year or so ago, I put out a show called Everything is a Lie. And it is. Everything is a lie. Everything's backwards. Everything. We've been deceived about everything. Everything. History is wrong. 
Um, everything is wrong. Everything they tell us is backwards. It's, it's ridiculous. Everything, you know, what a good rule of thumb for understanding reality is go and listen to or read any government reports or hear government statements on anything and realize that the truth lies in the opposite direction. That's, that's the thing. I mean, they're lying to us about everything. I, I spoke on this week's radio show. Um, I, I've uh, done a lot of work with, with healing people of terminal illnesses, such as cancer, using cannabis oil. Cannabis oil heals cancer. It heals cancer. You can heal cancer in three months, terminal cancers, uh, internal cancers in three months. You can heal skin cancer in three weeks using cannabis oil. Uh, and I've done it on myself and with other people. Mm-hmm. And I was uh, speaking on the show today talking about how the, the government is searching for the cure for cancer. And what do you do when you cure something? What do you do when you cure fish? when you cure wood, when you cure leather, when you cure weed, when you cure wine, you, know, you make it into the best it can possibly be. You bring it to its most usable form. And they're looking for a cure for cancer. What, what are they doing with it? Curing cancer. They're making it more potent because cancer is actually very, very healable. You can heal cancer, not a problem, three weeks with, with cannabis oil. You know, so even this sort of stuff, you think about how everything is backwards, a cure for cancer. You know, think about the word Aboriginal, the Aboriginal people here in Australia. What is what does normal mean? What does abnormal mean? Mm, what does original mean? What does Aboriginal mean? Yeah. You know what I mean? Everything is backwards. Everything they tell you is wrong. Look at the, the figures for vaccines and the immune look at the, the speech Bill Gates did saying that the population figures are rising with a good vaccination program, we can lower that figure. You know, they're telling you what they're doing with all the stuff that they're doing. Now, everything is, is wrong, darling. Everything they tell you is wrong. Um, you know, history, history is so convoluted and so backwards to what we're told. Now, even Napoleon said history is a, is a lie agreed upon. And that's the truth. You know, if you really start looking at history, there's monuments all over the world which tell a completely different story to everything that we read in academic history books. The, the timeline that we're told is, is wrong. There's a recent book that came out by a Russian, um, a Russian scholar called Anatoly Fomenko called History, Science or Fiction. And it's a fantastic book. He, he starts looking at the fact that, um, see, see, according to science, about a thousand years ago, 2000 years ago, gravity changed. And this change in gravity accounted for all sorts of different things and all sorts of different stuff. And this, this one guy, Fomenko, started looking back through the timeline and saying, well, actually, if you, if you factor in the reality that history is wrong and that they added a thousand years to the timeline, you don't have to change gravity. And then we look at the dark ages, you've got the dark ages, a thousand years where mm-hmm. nothing seems to have happened. No recorded history at all. They inserted that, you know, they just pushed everything back in time to make us think all these battles and all these wars happened thousands of years ago when they didn't, they happened hundreds of years ago. So, I mean, it's a huge question, but like I said, everything's a lie. Everything they tell you is wrong. Everything they tell you is backwards. Um, this whole political system, all of it, it's, it's theater. It's, it's so much of it is just there to distract us. So we never really notice what's going on in the world. And we don't really notice what this earth is and um, you know, what our history has been and what we are. You know, I think things are incredibly different to what we've been told. Uh, the problem is, you know, people start making claims about all this sort of stuff. What I did in my book, in the first half of the book, I just tried to show you all the anomalies and show, well, look, there's all of this stuff lying all over the earth, which says that you know, there's, there's questions about our history. Yeah, you find one of these artifacts and it, it raises questions. You find two of them, it's, it's starting to get serious. Well, we find hundreds of them, hundreds and hundreds of these artifacts all over the earth that tell you history's wrong. So... You know, it gets to the point where you realise that they can't have missed all this stuff, so they're covering up deliberately. So the question is, why? Why don't they want us to know what our history why? is? It, why? exactly? Well, you know, I, I would suggest that there's possibly um, things such as reoccurring cataclysms that happen. I think civilization is is wiped out periodically. Mm. Uh, I think it's quite irregularly, and I think that then they repopulate the world and they just teach them a false history, and we go from there. You know, whether it's um, man-made cataclysms, whether it's some sort of um, technological thing that happens, whether it's simply sunspot activity, we don't know. We're still trying to figure it out. But there appears to be that the civilizations are recycled and just built on top of civilizations, on top of civilizations. 
doesn't matter where you go. You can go to Melbourne, uh, go to Sydney, go to Europe, go to the United States. Start digging down and you'll find that there's buildings below ground. You know, there's roads below ground, there's fences. Some of the buildings that we've seen in, uh, in Europe, you know, massive amounts of buildings below ground and in, in Melbourne and Sydney. So, you know, something's happened that is there's somehow civilizations are covered up and we simply build new ones on top and we teach a, a new history to the next generation. If you look, start looking at things such as um, looking into foundlings and orphan trains and stuff like this, you find about 1880, the world was repopulated with children. They sent hundreds and hundreds of children out all around the world, 200,000 children um, across America from east to west in one year, 100,000 children sent out to Australia in a year, out to Africa, mm -hmm. out to New Zealand, um, 935,000 children trafficked around Europe in one year. And they were finding children everywhere, just foundlings, they called them. Where'd they all come from? Why suddenly was there some sort of a cataclysm and then there were children everywhere and the children were collected, put into foundling homes, sent out, sent out as workers as, as to, to repopulate the world? Why did all this happen and why isn't any of it in our history books? You know, but if you look at it, you'll, you'll find you can find um, records of it. You'll find uh, a paper trail which indicates all this happened. But we're not taught any of it. We're taught that, you know, the, the settlers came out here. The convicts were sent out to Australia in, what, 1778, 1776, mm -hmm. came out here and they populated the country. Go look at buildings around um, Sydney, 1820, mm -hmm. and realise that this is, this is 40, 50 years after the convicts arrived. Some of these buildings, these were built by convicts. This incredibly um, complex European-style architecture in Australia in yeah. early 1800s. You know, 30 or 40 years after the convicts came here, I mean, well, were they incredible stonemasons? Did they have this incredible machinery? Were they able to go and dig all these quarries and quarry all these stones? And the sandstone's amazing, some of the blocks, I have seen them. Mm. Yeah, I mean, none of this makes sense. So what does make sense is the fact that there was a previous civilization here and we don't know about it. It's been expunged from our history books and this current civilization was simply built on top. And when you look at it, you know, like, the amount of population on earth we're told there's seven billion people or eight billion people mm -hmm. on earth i mean I, I even question that figure whether it's true you know you, you drive out fly over america fly across australia just have a look at the amount of vacant land the place is is um, unpopulated the earth is virtually unpopulated it doesn't matter where you go there's so much empty land you know the people are packed into cities and we think it's overpopulated but it's not go look at some of the forests on the earth and ask why None of the forests are over 200 years old, except for little pockets of trees, like the giant sequoias in Canada, mm -hmm. you know, the redwoods in Oregon, the United States. We've got little sections here in Australia where there's very old trees, but most of them are catalogued, and you've got to ask who even did that. And the Amazon, why is the Amazon? This is all regrowth. These aren't giant trees that you would expect. If this was virgin forest from back when the earth was formed. We've never gone in there, the untouched Amazon. So much to discover in there, we're told. The trees are only 200 years old. So what's going on here? You know, what's really happening on this earth? And um, why is nothing, you know, what it should be? Why are all these ruins existing all beneath the oceans all over the earth? There's ruins everywhere. Ruins in, uh, in the Mediterranean, ruins off the coast of Japan, off, off Bimini, off the coast of America, off Indonesia, everywhere. Ruins all over the place. And not just a few ruins, ruins everywhere. You know, people are asking, where was Atlantis? Well, Atlantis was everywhere. You know, Atlantis wasn't, you know, a place. Well, maybe it was a place. Maybe it was a city. That was one of my questions. <laughs> well, it seems to have been more like a worldwide culture. You know, perhaps okay. Atlantis was the capital of it. But there appears to have been a, a worldwide culture that existed not too long ago, as recently as a few hundred years ago. That a has few hundred? Wow, okay. Only a few hundred, yeah. Like, um, if you look at maps from the 1500s and 1600s, there's an area in Europe called Tartaria, which takes up most of Europe, takes up uh, all of Russia, Mongolia, um, all of India, all of uh, Eastern, Eastern Europe. Mm -hmm. This is all Tartaria. And then you've got over on the, the very corner over on the left, you've got Europa, which is you know, most of what we know of Europe now. And when you look at the maps, it also seems to include uh, areas of the Philippines, areas of the United States, all seem to have been part of Tartaria. 
and we don't hear about this place. We don't, we've never heard it. It's not in our history books, no. but it's there on all the maps. Let's say it was just a place. It was just a, an area where, you know, a whole bunch of nomads lived and, you know, Mongolia, all this stuff. This was all part of Tartaria. It was just a place. It wasn't a country. Well, if you look at uh, flag books from the 1700s, you'll find it had a flag. So if it wasn't a country, why did it have a flag? It had a, a maritime flag and it had a, uh, a national flag as well, two different flags, one for the Navy and one for, for land. So, you know, it was a, a well-established country and it had uh, well-established architecture, which we're finding all over the world. And even this European style architecture, such as the uh, Queen Victoria building in Sydney, amazing mm -hmm. architecture with the big copper domes and stuff yeah. on top. Was this built by convicts in 1820? Seriously, I mean, why are we finding buildings like this all around the world in this, what we're told is a Greco-Roman style? You can even find buildings like that in Japan that were in Japan before Japan opened its borders to Europe and allowed the Europeans in. This is European-style architecture in Japan. So this was part of the same culture. Go to the Philippines, you'll find the same architecture there. The big Roman-style um, government buildings you've got, the pillars out the front, the gargoyles. The, why are these in all countries? Why are they in America? Why are they in, in England, all across Europe, here in Australia, Philippines? They're in Cuba. They're in everywhere. Why? Why would all these countries suddenly build the same architecture, exactly the same, you know, and these, these copper domes and all these things? Why? Why are they all the same in every country that you go to if it wasn't a common culture? That's the thing, you know, and um, more work that we've done is uh, there was a man called Attila Flink, who was a Hungarian man who was, he was a linguist. This was his hobby. He, he did a lot of translations and he spent a lot of time in the Macquarie Library in Sydney looking through the, the, uh, the uh, diaries of, the, of the, um, the settlers when they came out. Mm. and the, the soldiers that came out. And he found out that the Australian Aboriginals, the language that most of the Aboriginals were speaking, had its roots in Magyar, which is Hungarian. And so what were the Australian Aboriginals That's, doing speaking wow. Hungarian? And why were the Incas also had their roots language in Hungarian and the Polynesians and the Melanesians? So there appears that there was a worldwide language, which was Magyar which was also right around the world as well. And the, uh, the Tasmanian Aboriginals were speaking Magyar. And apparently the Tasmanian Aboriginals were also mainly singing to each other. I mean, they were, they were, it was a language which appears to have been something across between Magyar and Sanskrit. And it was mainly singing, which would uh, make it understandable why they devastated the Tasmanian Aboriginals so completely. And this is why they, they devastated so many of these cultures because they wanted to wipe out the language. They didn't want people to know there was a root language because a root language indicates that there was a worldwide civilization. And we can find all the evidence of this. You'll find there's, there's traces of, of little sections of words in Polynesian and Melanesian and in Aboriginal. If you can find any elders, it's, it's very, very difficult to find any Aboriginal elders now. That You'll find that there's, there's traces of Magyar in the Aboriginal language. So... It's very, very telling, very revealing. And when you look at the work of people such as Anatoly Fomenko, and he's established that there has been at least a thousand years added to the history, historic timeline. Everything's been pushed back in time. Everything really starts to, to begin to make a lot of sense. You know, if history's a lie, history's been fabricated. If there was a worldwide civilization that existed as recently as possibly like 1600s, 16, possibly... The, the last traces of it may have even been wiped out as early as the, the early 1800s. Um, this is very significant. You know, and it shows that it's only been a couple of hundred years to get us to this point. So how easy might it be to get us back to that point, back to what we were? The problem is we've lost, you know, lost our languages and we've lost um, so much of our history. And stealing someone's language is, is, a, is a terrible thing to do because when you steal someone's language, you've taken from them information they can never ever get back like in in hungarian there's 48 letters in the in the hungarian alphabet in uh in languages that are stemming from magyar such as finnish and hungarian there's like 50 different ways to say snow because mm -hmm. there's 50 different types of snow you can express every single nuance of human emotion in these languages we can't do that in english so you know, you've got to question just how much has been taken from us, you know.
Wow, I'm <laughs> it's a lot to digest and I'm blown away, but I love that you are questioning everything and I think that's what we should all do. Um, I do it in lesser so amount, but I certainly don't disagree with anything that you're saying. And I, I love, yeah, I love that you're questioning. I mean, it reminds me the other day, I mean, I'm not immunized myself. And I said to a, a girl that works for me, who was having her child immunized. And I said, have you looked at, you know, um, I mean, this is a very, very basic example, but I said, have you looked at the effects of immunization? She said, no, I just did what the doctor told me. And this is a very sort of man that lives in the shed sort of, you know, basic fundamental question, but we often don't question everything around us. What you're talking about sounds incredible, like a science fiction novel, but it is quite plausible. Well, that's the thing. And, and the thing is that the evidence is there to support it. Um, none, none, none of the monuments, every, everything that we're told is a great mystery. If you factor in the, the reality that history is wrong, well, it's not so much of a mystery at all, you know. And and like I said, you find one of these things and it's just an anomaly, but you find hundreds of them. It's it's no longer an anomaly. You know, there's something wrong. Something is is definitely wrong. So why aren't they looking at it? Why aren't they questioning this sort of stuff? You know. And if we don't understand our history, then you know we, you know, as said by Marcus Garvey, a man with no history is like a tree with no roots. You know, if we don't understand where we came from and how we got to this point, how can we ever heal the human condition? You know, and if our history is different, if it's been um, stolen from us and fabricated, and a lot of the wars that we've fought, a lot of the wars that we're still fighting appear to be all about depopulation and destroying infrastructure, you know, just destroying Libya, destroying Yemen, the, the way they're doing. You look at World War II even, you know, they bombed Berlin to rubble. They bombed Dresden to rubble. They bombed London to rubble. You look at the fires through the United States, the great fire of San Francisco, the great fire of, of Los Angeles. You look at all the major cities in the United States that appear to have experienced a great fire at some stage. They're burning all the infrastructure out. You know, they're burning all of our history out of existence and wiping all of our history out of existence under the guise of all these wars that they're having. You know, and the wars are all fabricated. You know, the world's been at war since I was born. And, and with no healing to it at all, what is the reason for it all? You know, why are we fighting all these wars? Who, who are we defending ourselves against? You know, and, and why, when, when we go to war with these countries, do we just bomb all the buildings to rubble and destroy all the cities and destroy all the infrastructure? You know, it's like we're wiping out the past and we're wiping out any trace of history. And that's what a lot of this has been about. And if you really look at the world, you know, you could... You can view it as each country is kind of like a department store and each government is kind of the managers of that department store, but they all work together as one worldwide criminal cabal. And they're all working together, facing off against each other, manufacturing all these wars with each other, but they never get hurt. They never get in trouble with each other. Two countries, the leaders agree to go to war. They bomb the shit out of all the people, but nothing ever happens to the leaders. They shake hands at the end of the day. It's, oh, we're not at war now. And you can all go rebuild your countries. Mm -hmm. It's a scam. The whole thing is a scam. And they keep us so busy running on the treadmill, working these jobs, doing all these things that we think we have to do, which aren't important at all. And worried about all this political theater, worried about all these wars, worried about global warming, worried about this, worried about that. So we're not really looking at what's going on around us. We're not ever asking why. Why is the world in this state? Why, is, why are we doing the things we're doing? You know, what is, why are they spraying in the skies and doing all this stuff? We, we never have time to ask any of these questions you know so you know a lot of it i think is is all done just to keep us distracted so we don't notice what's going on around us we don't notice the fact that the human race is is built to a certain point and then there are these events that happen whether like i said cyclic cataclysms whether it's man-made whether it's technology whether it's sunspot activity what it is whatever happens but there's all this stuff there to distract us so we don't notice this and you know really when you look at it there's recently, there was a city found in Turkey. Um, I can't remember the name of it offhand. A huge, huge city. Like, you know, it can house thousands of people all underground. And why aren't they in our, why aren't they in our history? You know, why aren't any of them in our history books? So, you know, a lot of it is all, all there to distract us, darling. I really think it is. And you know, the problem is we're not free enough to know what's going on. So, I mean, a lot of the stuff that I do, a lot of the stuff that I point out is, is, 
you know, I'm just trying to encourage people to ask these questions and to perhaps work to establish the freedom we need to get ourselves out of this downward spiral that we're in. Because we're in a pretty downward spiral, you know, what they're doing, what the government's doing, rolling out this smart grid and all this stuff they're doing, it's pretty much the end game. So, you know, yeah, I think it's important. I don't think it's really important that people look at this. I think it's important that people do get involved and do ask the questions and, and realise the value of themselves and um, what they could achieve simply by asking these questions and, and not tolerating wrong behaviour, you know. Does any of this make sense? <laughs> yes, it does. It does. It really, really does. <laughs> I'm just trying to digest everything you're saying. My question is who, and I'm sure you're asked this all the time, but who, who are they? Mm. That's the question, isn't it? <laughs> who are they? Well, you know, the ruling, the ruling cartels who run the money system are definitely part of it. The thing is, um, there are going to be people who will say it's, it's, it's the bankers, it's the Jesuits, it's the Jews, it's mm -hmm. reptiles, it's aliens, it's whatever. The thing is, you know, with this, with this culture, um, all the information has been put out there for me to prove it's anybody you want to believe it is. Okay. That's the thing. I can prove it's anybody you want to believe. Right. That doesn't make it true. Mm -hmm. The issue is that we're not free enough to know who they are. We're not free enough to know what the real truth is. And, like I said, I can prove it is anybody you want to believe that that's the problem. You know, um, it seems like it's not even human. You know, like whatever's going on here, it doesn't seem like it's human because it's so complex, but you know, maybe it is, maybe it's just us. Maybe it's what happens when we, we put this mental state into, into motion. You know, I've gone through, I put a show out of, a couple of years ago called giving life to Lucifer. What happens when we get on the, the downward spiral of looking for knowledge and we, we start creating an automated system with the internet and all this sort of stuff and the IOT, how it all leads to what it leads to simply out of our own greed, you know? So, I mean, it could, could be us, but you know, it's, it's almost too complex because when you, when you factor in the, um, the recycling cataclysms and, all sorts of stuff and the fact, I mean, even the technology we've got now, I would suggest this isn't even new technology. It's just filtered out to us. Mm -hmm. Now, like if there was a cataclysm, let's say there was a, an event yeah. and most of the population was wiped out in the next 10 years or something. Most of this pop, this civilization was covered in, in mud or whatever. And new ones, you know, cities were built on top and, you know, some of the buildings would still be usable. Blah, blah, blah. You repopulate the world with children. You teach them whatever history you want. And you tell them that, We've just had an industrial revolution. And then over the next 200 years, everything sort of gradually get, comes back online. The technology gets filtered out to them and then it happens again. Yeah, and then again, you tell them that there was just had an industrial revolution. You know, but, you know, who they are, we don't have the freedom to know who they are. I can prove it's anybody you want, like I said. Yeah. What we need to do is establish the freedom we need to find mm -hmm. out what's actually going on and to find out what the truth is. And that's what I've said as well. Even the so-called truth movement, it shouldn't even be called the truth movement because what it is, is, is a whole bunch of people arguing over their belief systems, arguing who they think they are, you know, you know, it's this, it's that, it's the, it's the Jesuits, it's the Jews, it's the reptiles, it's this, it's that. And they get fixated on it and they argue about it. And then no, we don't get anywhere because everyone's just running around yeah. like chickens with their heads cut off, right. cut off fighting about it. So like what happened with 9-11? <laughs> you know, when 9-11 happened and we knew it wasn't Osama bin Laden and 19 hijackers, we just know that's not what it wasn't. That's not possible. But then people started saying, oh, well, But I have to interrupt and say 99% of the population. Sorry, I have to interrupt and say 99% of the population still believe it was bin Laden. Yeah, I know. Well, I'd, I'd say they don't. Um, the media might tell you they do, but yes. I'd say they don't. Okay. Um, maybe maybe a, a majority does, but you know, that's because they weren't there when it happened. A lot of the kids are growing up now. You know, this happened before they were born. So, but you know, what we know is that the official story is wrong. But what they did was people saying, "Oh well, how did the buildings come down? Oh, it was thermite. It was micro nukes. It was it was directed energy weapons. It was this. It was that." And then they started arguing about the details rather than just look. The, what we know is that the official story is wrong. That needs to be the focus. 
And it's the same with this. What we know is that we're not free. We know that we're not free. This is a slavery system. We're kept in this system of economic slavery where we're all at each other's throats trying to get, you know, the 1% of, of stuff that's left over to us when 1% of the population have the other 99%. You know, that's what we know. So, you know, arguing over who they are and, and having this so-called truth movement because the truth is, is, you know, pretty subjective depending on what people want to believe. I mean, sure, there's an ultimate truth, but what is it? I mean, do you know? Does anybody know? We don't because we're not free enough to know, but people aren't prepared to admit that. Their ego kicks in. Their ego gets in the way. No one wants to be wrong. Everyone wants to think, oh, I know what's going on. I know, I know it all. I'm, I'm good, you know? And if you point out to them, actually, you might be wrong with that. They take it as an affront against their ego. You get into an argument because everyone's making these claims of this is and this is what I believe. You know, so it shouldn't even be called the, the truth movement. It should be the freedom movement. It should be the freedom to find out what the truth is movement, if you're going to put truth in there at all, you know. So, I mean, that's what I look at. I, I just see, you know, that this whole system is a fiction. It's just, it's just the, the concept of authority that exists in people's minds. And the whole system exists and is able to exist and perpetuate because we are prepared to step outside our moral compass to abide by laws and rules which don't serve us. If we stop doing that, if we, if we refuse to comply with wrong behavior and we refuse to abide by any rule that causes us to step outside our moral compass, the system couldn't function. You know, that we could change the world in a day if people just adopted that perspective. So to me, that, that needs to be the focus. You know, once you do that, you'll find out who they are because they will scream the loudest, you know. But, uh, you know, we hold this whole system up, darling, and we do it because we don't respect ourselves enough or know ourselves enough to respect mm -hmm. the people around us. Now we judge them by what they believe, you know, what their, their particular truth is. You know, they may not agree with our particular truth. And we don't even know how true any of it is to begin with. So, you know. <laughs> Look, that's, I, that's just, I mean, look, I, no I one's prepared look, to admit that. Though, you know? Yeah, I love your message. You've given me a bit of, I consider myself very open and out there, but you've given me a bit of a shaken up and awaken up. <laughs> um, and I think anyone that's <laughs> listening, you know, just to stop and think, well, you know, don't just believe everything you hear or you read or you watch. Question, question. Yeah, ask the questions. I mean, that's the thing, you know, ask questions and realize that all we're dealing with here is people, even, even if there is some mystical force at the top, you know, what we've got at the surface here is people, even those in our governments and stuff, it's just people, you know, and we don't ask the questions. We, we mm. need to ask questions rather than just saying yes or no, sir, three base, yeah. full sir, and rolling over on command. We need to ask questions, you know, and, and stop complying with wrong behavior. You know, I just don't comply with any of it. I live outside the system. I pretty have pretty well have most of my life. I don't vote. I don't. I've never filled out a tax form. I've never voted. I've never done any of that stuff. Um, maybe they'll come for me one day, but I don't know. I just, I just don't do it. You know. Good on um, you. They, they contact me sometimes. I'll say, oh, "We believe there's someone here that isn't registered to vote." I go, "Yeah, that's me." And they go, well, "What's your excuse?" And I go, well, "I refuse to support organised crime." <laughs> and they don't know what to say. And they, they, they walk away because they don't know how to deal with it, you know. But that's always my standard answer to them. I, I don't participate in the system or support the government because I refuse to support organised crime. I refuse to support racketeering, you know. That's my view on it. If you want to you know, have a public debate about it, I'm sure I'm happy to come and do it, but I don't think you want me to. So they kind of leave me alone, I think, you know. But, um, you know, I just encourage people to to be all they can and to help people around them because I think that that is the difference. I mean, I have a saying that if you throw yourself to the wind, you can ride it. And um, I, I give all that I can to people and I find that the universe gives back to me. I don't want for anything. Life just works. And I think that's, that's a lot of what we've lost. I, I really do. You know, people place too much of an economic value on everything they do. You know, time is money, all that sort of stuff. Even that book I wrote, I put it up there for free. I don't have a monetized account on my YouTube account. I, I don't have anything subscriber section on my website. I have nothing monetized at all. Um, I just totally believe in, in spirit and in the power of the universe, in the power of my heart. And I know that if I, if I give unconditionally um, and I serve creation, creation will, will put me where I'm supposed to be. And, and you, you can 
you can ride the wind if you simply throw yourself to it. And I've been doing it for years. And, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I just try to lead by example and, and hopefully help people see a better way. And like I said, I only do this because I think it needs to be done. I think someone needs to be saying this to people. Someone needs to, you know, kind of slap people into wakefulness in a kind and gentle way. And you're doing it in a beautiful way. <laughs> it reminds well, me of that. Yeah, you remind me of that. Um, the Socrates quote, the unexamined life is not worth living, which I'm sure you've heard. Well, how true, how true that is. How true that is, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think we have so much potential. As, as humankind, we have so much potential to be anything we want to be. We have so much. You know, I think the only thing that's impossible is that which you believe is impossible. You know, the power of the human mind is an incredible thing. You know, we're constrained by our belief systems. You know, we, and we want to know who they are. We want, to know, we want someone to point the finger at. You know, it's even with this whole movement, you know, people sit there and they get all the information. Well, what for? What are you doing with it? Are you applying it to your life? You know, how much information do you need before you realize the world's run by criminals? And, and you don't have to comply with any of this, you know. And even when you look at the uh, the concept of the ex exposing uh, or the externalization of the hierarchy, you know, why the truth movements even here? Why they let us do what we do? Why do they want people to know? I mean, I obviously want people to know how corrupt the system is. Why? Because once people know how corrupt the system is, and they comply with it anyway, they condemn their own soul. They become willing participants in the evil that's being participated by this system, by their compliance to it. Compliance to it out of fear, fear for themselves, fear of, of death, fear of the only thing in life that is inevitable, which is death. That's what you came here to do is to die. And what if it's how you die? What if it's the emotional state that you're in when you die? What if it's about how much are you prepared to take until you're going to allow that thing, which is going to happen anyway, to get in the way of your moral compass? You know, I mean, and what if this is just an exam? What if this is the exam that happens before the real event where you, where you determine, where you grow your soul to determine what you're really made of, what you're really worth, you know? You know, if, if you're going to go through life in fear of the one thing that is inevitable and you're going to allow all this evil to perpetuate around you out of, out of fear of, of ever facing that which is inevitable, which you're going to face anyway, you know? what's it all for? What if that's why evil exists? So that you have a choice as to whether you want to comply with it or not. And whether you're going to let death get in the way, a fear of death get in the way of, of, of evil. Go and hurt them, do all that bad stuff to them, just don't hurt me. I won't look, I'm good, I'm going to be fine. Well, you're going to get old and you're going to die. And all that stuff, you could, have, you could have ended that right then. You could have ended that evil, but you were scared of death, so you didn't. Now you're at the end of your life, you're going to die anyway. You missed the opportunity to actually stand for something. You know, so I kind of look at it that way as well. You know, I have no fear of death, none at all, none whatsoever. Mm. So, um, and I, I think it's, it's about what you do with the information that comes to you, what you do with every moment that comes to you. So, you know, what, what if it's about that? What if, what if that's what this whole thing is about? Why, what if that is why the world is so messed up all the time and why it will never, ever be healed? Because we won't heal what's in here. And as soon as we choose to do that, it all goes away, you know, but we have to make that choice. So just maybe helping people maybe consider that perspective, perhaps, you know, uh, might, might help things. I don't know. Yeah. You're getting people to examine their life. It's, it's, it's quite remarkable. Hmm. Coming from such yeah. a great foundation of care and all, you know, all the aspects that we talked about, but um, I think, you changed so many people and got them to question. I mean, your your the intention behind, you know, the the your website and everything is really changing people and making them wake up. And it's quite well, a beautiful I thing. I hope so. I hope I hope so. I, I, I do get a lot of really really wonderful emails from people, but I mean, I do. It does get very it does get very difficult. I get so much trolling. I get so much hate mail and so much. Really? Uh, oh yeah, I get so many attacks from people. And um, just just to wait now, because I don't go with the general consensus all the time. I found it in the cycle. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> I didn't get well, that. <laughs> I found I found that in the so-called truth movement, even there is uh, there's always an officially accepted narrative, and I often don't you know go with that narrative, and so I'm a bit of a wild card for a lot of people. That's amazing. Um, I love it. 
Well, yeah, I mean, but it does it does ruffle a lot of feathers, you know. Yeah, so, you know, I, I do get a lot of trolling. It does, it does wear you down after a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get attacks. I get, I get death threats. I get, I get my computer got hacked not long ago. And all my stuff got deleted. So okay. it, it does, that, huh? it does, it does sort of get to you a little bit. So you can't have too much of a stake in the outcome of any of it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it is nice. And, and thank you. Thank you so much for saying that, that it, that it has been helping and changing oh. people. I mean, it's nice. It's nice to know that it does um, provide something positive in people's lives. And I've got to be concerned about that as well because some of the information that I present is, is quite confronting. And that's why with the radio shows, when I'm presenting kind of confronting information, I try to bring it around at the end of the show and turn it into something empowering so that people are empowered by the information. But I still, I'm a firm believer that they need the information because we have some serious problems and, and, uh, we could heal the problems, but people have to be aware of these problems first before we're ever going to heal them. If people are, are, are afraid to acknowledge the problems, then they're never going to be healed. And what it is really is it's a failure of, of people. It's an inability of some people to be able to process certain forms of light because all information is light. All knowledge is light. Even if it is knowledge or information which you may perceive to be negative, um, it's simply light. It's simply a, a form of light, um, and enlightenment is a is a destructive and uncomfortable process. Mm-hmm. Now, people who step onto this path and want enlightenment, they're not aware of what enlightenment is. They think it's it, it's you're going to get to this point where all their chakras are opening and they're seeing yeah. robes on the mountain and their third eye is glowing and they're, they're they're all seeing and all knowing. You know, light is information. And enlightenment is a tearing away of the veil and seeing the world for what it really is. And it's a very destructive process because it's a breaking down of everything you ever believe to be true. Um, like I said, everything is, is backwards. Everything is wrong. Everything is a lie. You know, we have an education system which is designed to indoctrinate and to not educate. We have a health system which is designed to promote sickness and control health, make sure people don't have any. You know, we have, uh, you know, Everything is backwards. Everything that they give us is backwards. And this is very, very confronting for a lot of people. So even people who step onto this path of enlightenment step onto it for all the wrong reasons. They step onto it for selfish reasons because they think they're going to get to be a point where they're a guru and they can charge people 300 bucks a head to come and listen to them read poems, you know. So, you know, it's not what it's about. It's not what it's about at all. You know, it's, it's seeing the world for what it really is and realizing the energy you have and the power you have within you against that by simply saying no and simply realizing that all you're dealing with is people you don't have to be afraid of any of these people you can simply stand in your power and say things for what they are and if people do that we will change the world you know and that's what i do i just say things for what they are that's like i said why i keep it very very simple around the kitchen table talk and all that sort of stuff and i think it is very confrontational to a lot of people. It does challenge their belief systems, which is why I, I get so many um, death threats and, and hate mail and trolling and all sorts of stuff because it, it's uncomfortable for people to realise that the evil exists because they allow it. You know, we all do. We allow it. You know, this whole smart system is coming online because we're complying with it. We're using all this technology. We're, we're shopping digitally. We're using, and even with all the technology, you can still use your smartphone, use all the apps, use all the social media stuff. Just don't shop with digital currency. Don't shop yeah. with credit cards. Yeah, don't, don't Apple Pay. Yeah. yeah, don't allow economics to get in the way of, of what you're doing with the technology. Don't, don't allow the, the technology to create a barrier between you and, and your everyday activities of buying food and all that sort of stuff. Because if you do that and it all goes cashless, then they got you. That's the thing. And that's all happening because we're simply complying with it. So it's a little choice that people make in their everyday lives, which can make a difference. So I'm just trying to encourage that in people as well. Well, for a simple man in a shed, you're spreading a pretty incredible message. Well, thank you, Don. And so are you. <laughs> so are you. Thank you. I guess as we come to a close, is there any other messages you'd like to pass on to the audience? Although you've no, covered everything, but... <laughs> I think we've pretty well covered it. Like, um, love yourself, folks. Don't doubt yourself. The trick to this, the trick to getting through reality is to have no stake in the outcome. 
because why would you have a stake in it? You're only here for breath. You're only here for a very, very little while. You know, all the stuff that you think you need and this big pile of stuff you're building to climb to the top of and sit on it, you get there and you get up the top and you go, wow, there's nothing here. You know, I missed out on my whole life because I was collecting all this stuff. Really, you don't need any of it. The trick to it is to, like I said, have no stake in the outcome. Just let it all unfold. Throw yourself to the wind and take every moment as it arises. The trick to getting through life is to be able to face infinity without flinching. That's how to do it. You know, people say, how do I do what I do? Well, that's how to do it. You know, I, a few years ago, I crawled in through the tunnels into Gaza Strip and ran around Gaza Strip for 10 days. We didn't tell Hamas we were coming or anything. Ran around there with a video camera for 10 days. We got detained by Hamas in the end when we were trying to leave, all sorts of stuff. Got interrogated for four or five hours. Oh. I found the whole thing fascinating while it was happening. And I'm crawling through the tunnel underground. I'm 50 meters underground. And there was one point where I thought, wow, if Israel drops a bomb on Rafa border, this tunnel could come down. I'll be buried 15 meters below mm. the ground. And this is a little tiny little dirt tunnel with nothing holding it up. No shoring, no sides, nothing. Oh. And I started to giggle. I thought, what, what a place to be. What a place to put myself in. And I thought, if I was to die here right now, wow, it'd be totally worth it just to be here. I mean, what's the chances of me ever being here? So... It's that sort of an attitude to be able to face that sort of stuff without flinching and just mm -hmm. throw yourself to the wind and, and ride it. That's the trick to life. You know, if we do that, you know, we, we lose a stake in the outcome. All this system becomes laughable. It becomes a joke. The politicians become like clowns, really. I look at this system and it doesn't scare me. They don't scare me. Um, but I, I feel a terrible remorse for the direction that the human race is being led into. People have been led like, like lambs to the slaughter. And, you know, I can see a far better way for them. So I'm just trying to encourage that in them. And um, thank you for having me on. And Absolute if anybody wants pleasure. to know anything about me, they can go to my website, which is called crowhouse.com and find out all about me there. And, um, yeah, thank you, Don. I mean, I don't know what else to say, but that's, no, that that's was pretty a, well. That was amazing. And you've already answered my question. If people are looking to find their passion or follow their passion, you've answered that. Um, I will put all your details in the show notes for anyone to connect with. It's been a pleasure, Max. Thank you so much. My pleasure, Don. <laughs> thank you for having me on. And we'll do it again sometime. And okay. send me a link when you get it posted and I'll share for you. Wonderful. Thank you so much. That is the end of our passionate episode. Thank you so much for listening and please subscribe, leave a review, tell your friends and spread the passion. As always, every day, may you be more and more passionate.